And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news. The story behind the story. Follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. Into this house we're born. Into this world we're thrown. Like a dog without a bone and actor out alone. Riders on the storm. So here we are, day. 38 or 39 of this lockdown, and finally we've got some good news. The president, uh, in his daily press briefing yesterday, announced that uh, he's got a plan to reopen the economy. He's allowed Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks to come up with this plan that requires you to be on uh, uh, a downward trajectory for two weeks, two weeks before you can enter phase one of this three-phase plan. Phase one will continue to uh, require the vulnerable to shelter in place as does phase two. But if you continue your downward trajectory, then uh, by phase three, the elderly and the vulnerable can emerge to the, to the bright sun and uh, we can reopen campuses and start having limited uh, public gatherings. I'm sure a lot of this is going to shake out as we go along. If, uh, if any, um, if there are any increases in deaths after this, of course, the media will rush to tell you that Donald Trump has blood on his hands, that uh, it's his fault. Every, every death after that will be his fault. But the president is, has backed off of his initial insistence that uh, he, not the governors, would determine when to reopen their economies. And he's leaning heavily on the governors to make that call based on these new criteria that Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci have formulated. My administration is issuing new federal guidelines that will allow governors to take a phased and deliberate approach to reopening their individual states. I've dealt with them now a long time, and we've had a great relationship. Democrat, Republican, the relationship has been good. This strategy is based on hard, verifiable data. Well, it's based on hard, verifiable data, but, uh, you know, that hard, verifiable data is still going to be subject to interpretation and uh, it's going to be monitored by the CDC. But the president said in his his remarks yesterday that we got to get this country back to work. Based on the latest data, our team of experts now agrees that we can begin the next front in our war, which we are calling opening up. America again. And that's what we're doing. We're opening up our country. And we have to do that. America wants to be open and Americans want to be open. As I've said for some time now, a national shutdown is not a sustainable long-term solution. To preserve the health of our citizens, we must also preserve the health and functioning of our economy. Over the long haul, you can't do one without the other. Well, that's been clear for some time now. I think the unemployment rate is up around 20%. It's approaching Great Depression levels. Nancy Pelosi, for her part, is still hunkered down in her San Francisco mansion with the House of Representatives out of session. 
and uh, they're they're dug in. They're not going to give any more money to the Paycheck Protection Program unless they can also get bailouts for state and local governments and for hospitals. There's a you know the hospital crush never materialized. So the economic damage that the hospitals are suffering uh, are directly related to them refusing to take anybody except for uh, the Wuhan virus patients. And there's really no evidence yet, at least, that, uh, you know, these hospitals are going to need bailouts uh, for his part. Mitch McConnell doesn't want to have the federal government get in the business of bailing out state and local governments because once you open that Pandora box, there is no end to it. And it would establish a terrible precedent that basically the federal government collects taxes and then uh, gives it directly to state and local governments uh, to add to their budget so they can uh, engage in, you know, these uh, these Democratic boondoggles and and other programs. But I am relieved to see, finally, that even the mainstream media, who turned a blind eye to it as long as they could, are now coming to terms with the fact that this uh, this virus was not just some accident that uh, came out of a wet market, that it was, in fact, from that, uh, that lab in Wuhan, China, that just happened to be located just right down the road of the wet market. It was a... a, a fantastical tale to begin with and anybody with any common sense looked at that with a a skeptical eye especially in light of the fact uh, that the Chinese government tried to cover up and uh, and minimize this virus and did in fact allow hundreds of thousands of people from that Wuhan district to travel to all four corners of the globe so that China could make sure that they weren't the only ones that were suffering with this virus. I'm going to play you a clip here. This is uh, on Tucker's show last night. He had back uh, on the show Stephen Mosier. Stephen Mosier had written an article in the New York Post when nobody else would publish it and everybody was ignoring him that, uh, in fact, the most likely source of this virus was in that laboratory and that it, uh, it escaped and now he is uh, once again breaking new ground. He's saying that we've got to determine whether or not this virus, that quite obviously uh, now that we're getting the cables uh, from the State Department and, uh, and internal communications from inside China, it quite obviously escaped from the lab. Now we have to determine whether or not it was a naturally occurring virus or if it was an engineered virus. Well, we all know now that a bat, solitary bat, did not fly 600 miles from its cave dwelling in uh, another province to the city of Wuhan and land in someone's soup. Uh, Everybody now agrees, except for a few uh, uh, marginals, that uh, it escaped from a so-called high containment laboratory. I have to chuckle when I say high containment because obviously uh, it failed at what it was supposed to do. It wasn't level four, it was operating at level two. But... uh, you know, now the question becomes, was it a naturally occurring horseshoe bat coronavirus that was isolated in the Wuhan Institute of Virology and then accidentally escaped from the lab by infecting a lab worker? Or was it a 
a virus that the researchers there were working on uh, using gain-of-function uh, technology. Gain-of-function means that you take uh, an existing coronavirus and you make it more infectious and more deadly. Now, why would you ever engage in gain-of-function research? Why would you ever seek to enhance a natural pathogen in this way to make it more deadly and more infectious? Well, the idea of the scientists, when they first discovered that they could do these things easily by using recombinant technology, was this. We're going to create superbugs in the lab, and we're going to figure out how to defeat them. We're going to develop... Uh, in theory, we're going to develop uh, vaccines, we're going to develop therapeutic treatments, and so when the real superbug comes on the scene, we will be ready for it. Well, that's all well and good, uh, and that's all fun and games until uh, you create a superbug in the lab and it escapes before you have a chance to develop a vaccine or a therapeutic treatment for it. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened in this, this case, and I'm not saying this is a bioweapon. Quit changing the subject, which is what the other side loves to do. Exactly. I'm just saying was it tinkered on in the lab? And we know that the lab director at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, who was their team leader for virology research, was a woman named Dr. Shi, full Chinese name, Dr. Shi Zhangli, who has been using gain-of-function uh, research for years to create new, more deadly, and more infectious coronaviruses. So Dr. Shi needs to tell us uh, what she was doing and how she was doing it. Well, we absolutely need to know, you know, if they were they were engaging in these so-called gain of function experiments. And then it uh, it brings the topic one step further. Why exactly would you be engaging in gain of function experiments on viruses, these very deadly viruses? Moser says that they were doing it to see if they could come up with vaccines to uh, to work on the new novel coronaviruses that they're creating. But, you know, if, if these things can't occur naturally and you have to engineer them in a lab, then, uh, you know, the, the chances of that vaccine working uh, on, on viruses that were not, in fact, engineered are very little. There's another reason why you might engage in a gain-of-function experiment to see if you could come up with a vaccine, and that was if you were developing germ warfare agents. Now, germ warfare was something that uh, the the Nazis engaged in. It's something that the Russians engaged in. I wouldn't be surprised at all to find out that at least at some point the United States was engaged in this as well. But I think it was in 1983, the United Nations uh, uh, outlawed this, uh, this experimentation in germ warfare. Um... But intelligence officers uh, out of Israel say that, uh, in fact, the the Chinese government uh, never observed that UN convention and continued to to study germ warfare. Now, the 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 new media narrative is that uh, yes, we were wrong when we called everybody a conspiracy theorist that pointed out that uh, the origin of this virus was likely that uh, that viral lab in Wuhan, but it was an absolute accident. We know it was an accident uh, because, you know, why would they, uh, why would they infect their own population and then allow it to spread to the rest of the world? Well, I've got a few theories. I guess you would call them conspiracy theories. 
they uh, they released the, or or if they released that, they certainly uh, went ahead and locked down uh, the the Wuhan district immediately, with the exception of those people that were allowed to continue to travel internationally and spread this virus all over the world. And at least until just recently, they were reporting that the deaths in Wuhan and uh, and that uh, that region were very low. Now, all of a sudden, surprise, surprise, after it comes out, the evidence comes out that uh, this virus escaped the laboratory, they're starting to revise their esti- their their death reports upwards. They've doubled them. Almost overnight, all of a sudden they're saying that they have more deaths than we originally reported. Why would you do that? Well, because if they did, in fact, you know, uh, minimize the deaths, I think at one point they were only reporting 833 deaths from the coronavirus in Wuhan, then that would um, that would tend to make you to believe uh, believe that, uh, well, maybe they did, in fact, uh, a large enough population to spread this virus. Now, this is a conspiracy theory I'm assembling here, but based on the malevolent actions of the Chinese government, I think we have to consider that maybe this virus wasn't um, an accident. Uh, uh, Maybe the creation of this virus was, in fact, engineered by humans as a possible bioweapon. And then you have to take it one step further and uh, make a determination whether or not it was released accidentally or on purpose. Now, the logical answer is that it came out of there on uh, by accident. But I think based on the, the Chinese um, actions to this point, you can't rule out entirely that uh, this this uh, virus was weaponized. You would think that if they they wanted to uh, to use it as a weapon, they wouldn't subject their own people to it. They would just aerosol, um, you know, aerosolize. I guess is the word uh, the the agent and uh, and spray it in in the countries where they were uh, trying to attack. But it doesn't quite have the same. Um, same effect as if you allow human to human transmission, uh, where you got people walking around throughout populations in Northern Italy and the United States spreading this virus. I think people are probably right that it escaped this lab, uh, accidentally, but this, this whole notion that you can't question whether or not, you know, this was a germ warfare experiment gone bad or a germ warfare um, exercise is uh, is premature, uh, at least based on what we know now about the virus or what people are finally starting to admit to. Old um, Geraldo Rivera is finally on board with the fact that this is uh, this was not an accident out of a wet market, but he's assuring us that this is just an accident. Morning. It's Wednesday, April 15th. Normally tax day. Taxes, of course, postponed. Finally, taxes postponed because of the coronavirus outbreak. We have a very, very important show for you today on the radio. It's about the origin of the coronavirus pandemic. 
The story we have been uh, told is a bullshit story about how a bat somehow transferred this virus to food consumed by humans who were then somehow infected by the virus. I just have to say that Geraldo Rivera was one of the the uh, talking heads that was accusing anybody who who uh, suspected that this virus, in fact, had originated out of the lab. He was calling them conspiracy theorists. So now he's telling you the, the story that uh, is now coming out is contrary to that. But you'll notice that he doesn't... Uh, he doesn't do any mea culpa there. He doesn't apologize to anybody he accused on Fox of engaging in conspiracy theories. The food consumed by humans were then somehow infected by the virus. That story is in all likelihood absolutely bogus. It is bogus. It was bogus from the get-go. And anybody with a functioning bullshit detector would have told you that to begin with. But it, I guess it's good to have Raldo on board now. The real story uh, you could read in yesterday's Washington Post indicating. Apparently, if it's not in the Washington Post, then Geraldo is, uh, refuses to buy it. Never mind the fact that they engaged in this three-year-long Russia, Russia hoax against this country. But now it's finally in the Washington Post. So Geraldo Rivera is going to have to acknowledge it and consider it that the coronavirus pandemic actually was a virus that escaped from a Chinese lab in Wuhan, China, that was doing research on bad coronavirus. The research somehow went awry. There are cables obtained by the Washington Post that prove that U.S. diplomats two years ago were concerned about security at this Chinese lab. The Chinese not only lied about the origin of the virus that has caused such misery across the planet, they also then covered up the fact that, for instance, there was human-to-human transmission. So they lied about the origin, they lied about the effect of this virus, and now they're trying to cover it up. China put up or shut up, allow access to that laboratory in Wuhan, China, or the world will assume that you are responsible for this pandemic that has caused such havoc and misery across the world. All that on my... So if you're finally getting around to admitting that the virus came out of this lab, but you're still uh, calling anybody that wonders about whether or not this, uh, this virus was made as a germ warfare agent... Maybe you ought to re-examine your original assumptions. You know, we do know that uh, China has been engaged in espionage in this country and in Canada in the field of germ warfare, and that they have been sneaking, they got caught sneaking viruses out of a laboratory in Canada, uh, trying to take them back to China. Why would you ever engage in something that risky if you weren't, in fact, engaged in in some sort of um, uh, actions in weaponizing viruses. Why would you want to get your hands on viruses that came out of somebody else's laboratory? Here's a clip of uh, the Department of Justice announcing an indictment against a Harvard University professor related to a coronavirus. Good morning. We're here today to announce three separate cases highlighting the ongoing threat 
posed by Chinese economic espionage and research theft in the United States. First, the arrest today of a Harvard University professor for lying about his participation in a Chinese foreign recruitment program. Second, this morning we have unsealed a separate indictment of a Chinese national working as a scientific researcher at Boston University who failed to mention on her visa application that she is also a lieutenant with the People's Liberation Army. Finally, this office has indicted another Chinese national for trying to smuggle vials of biological material out of the United States to China and lying about it to federal investigators. So why would the People's Liberation Army be engaged in these sort of, uh, pardon me, these these sort of um, espionage if they weren't in fact, you know, trying to get their hands on viruses in order to weaponize them? It doesn't make any sense at all. If everything they're doing is above board and in the national, in the uh, interest of public health, you wouldn't be engaged in espionage over it. I've got a clip here now. This is Defense Secretary Mike Esper talking about uh, whether or not this uh, virus Where did the coronavirus come from? There is a new investigation into its origins. U.S. intelligence officials tell NBC News that they are examining whether the virus accidentally came from a Chinese lab. Defense Secretary Esper weighed in, accusing China of misleading the public. So they continue to say this accidentally. Accidentally, they're assuming that it was an accident. (laughs) I guess that's, you know, their fallback position. Well, okay, okay. It didn't come out of the wet market. It came out of that lab, but it was an accident. It was just an accident. They have absolutely no proof that it was an accident. They're just, uh, you know, that that's their fallback position. Their original position now has been discredited. And now they say, well, okay, they've been lying to us all this time. They allowed the whole world to get affected. Uh, they, they allowed travel to continue out of that virus where they knew or that city where they knew that virus was running rampant. But, but it actually coming out of this lab where they were most certainly just engaged in innocent experimentation. That was an accident. We know that now all the same people that were pushing this wet market theory are now telling you that all of this is an accident. Here's this clip with Mike Esper. This is something we've been watching closely now for some time. Uh, the results are inconclusive, if you will. On this particular point, do you think the Chinese have misled about the origins of the virus? Well, like I said, I can't speak to intelligence matters, but uh, I find it hard to trust much of what comes out of the Chinese Communist Party. Well, it's good to hear somebody finally say that. You can't trust a damn thing they say, and you can't trust the the uh, the notion, no matter how many times these mainstream media talking heads tell you that this was all just an accident. We know that uh, you know this happens in the environment where you've got a re-election campaign, and one of the candidates in the form of Joe Biden is owned lock, stock, and barrel by the communist dictatorship because uh, they have engaged in a payoff of his son, who is still on the the board of that uh, Chinese investment firm that they they uh, put him on, and he's collecting thirty million dollars a year. Now, I'm not saying that uh, Biden would sell out America for thirty million dollars a year, but he took that money when he was vice president, and I think he believed that he never would be running for president of the United States at that time. And and now they own him. Now they've got this uh, what is uh, 
Sally Yates like to say, he's subject to blackmail. And they know that uh, Biden had no chance of winning this election if uh, Donald Trump continued to have this uh, historically successful economy. And just so happens now that we suffer this uh, this huge outbreak of a, a virus from China that has completely wrecked this economy. But I'm sure it was all just an accident. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the backlash over all of this, both against China and against the World Health Organization. Right after these messages, I'm right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. So it's going to be interesting to see how badly uh, that uh, this show is going to be suppressed after I made, I just raised the specter that maybe we shouldn't assume that China, uh, that this virus was an accident entirely. We were told by the same people uh, that uh, most certainly it came out of a, a wet market. And uh, if, if you say otherwise, you're a conspiracy theorist and shut up. But now that we see the proof that, in fact, it did come out of that lab, uh, well, um, you know, it was an accident. We know it was an accident. And, uh, and any suggestion that it could possibly, in any conceivable way, have not been entirely accidental, we know that that's a conspiracy theory, too. And so you shut up again. All I'm saying is we can't take China at its word on anything. Yes, they may have been engaged in germ warfare experimentation and engineered this virus to be particularly deadly. We don't know that for a fact, but we certainly should not trust China on anything at this point. And they insist that it had to have escaped this lab by accident. That's probably true, but we certainly can't assume that just because China says it's true, well, hell, they're not admitting to anything at this point. So uh, one one thing we do know is the communist government's lie. 
They oppress their people. They, uh, they have no freedom of speech. They have no freedom of movement. They are a dictatorship in the true sense of the word. This, this dictatorship that we have uh, created into a military and industrial superpower over in China is as evil as any regime in history. And you can't assume any sort of goodwill on their part. And you can't even assume that they won't hurt their own people in order to carry out their uh, their plans, their evil plans against the rest of the world, especially the United States. I am gratified to see that uh, finally the move to make China uh, pay for the uh, economic and human fallout from this disaster is starting to gather steam. People who the same people who were calling us conspiracy theories to uh, theorists two weeks ago are now admitting that, uh, yeah, China in the very least at the very least was negligent in this and should, uh, be, uh, you know, subject to, uh, liability compensation when you add up what it's cost the united states economy it is in the trillions of dollars two trillion dollars in direct payments from the united states taxpayer for this relief bill and an untold number of trillions of dollars from the damage that's done to the economy china owns about one point trillion one point two trillion dollars in u.s u.s government debt. That's just a small bucket of dropping the bucket of what, of the damages they've cost. And I think uh, we should, we should have legislation. Uh, I guess you got to take it to court to prove damages, but they're easily provable and it's easily provable that none of this was necessary. It could have been prevented if China hadn't tried to cover this up. If China had admitted the, the the virus was uh, had been unleashed in Wuhan and that they continued to allow people to fly all over the world from that province. Let's see what this clip is. This is a, a clip of, uh, it's from a foreign news service talking about this idea. The Chinese virus, which has spread around the world, is considered by many researchers to be a biochemical weapon. This pandemic has global impact, and it caused the entire world to be locked down due to the China's incompetence of controlling the outbreak, covering it up, and deliberately spread to the world. Tens of thousands of people around the world lost their lives, millions of people lost their jobs, and billions of people forced to stay home. Chinese virus has caused global economic crisis, which we haven't seen in recent memory. It has collateral damage to the common development of all mankind. This is a crime against humanity and destruction of our beautiful future. All of us, including countries, governments, political parties, organizations, and individuals, must collectively recognize and must hold China accountable for its crime. China should pay and will compensate all countries and individuals affected by the virus. Let's face it, China doesn't have enough money to compensate the world for the damage that's been caused here, whether by reluct, uh, whether by negligence or by uh, malevolent intentions. 
And now that it's, it's coming clear even to uh, the most stubborn American CEO that uh, doing business with China was a really bad idea to begin with. And they're looking to move their companies and their assets out of China. China has moved quickly to block U.S. companies from leaving. Finally, these these uh, globalist CEOs of these multinational companies are realizing that maybe getting in bed with a communist dictatorship wasn't the best plan to begin with because they've lost all of the gains that they ever made from doing business with uh, communist China. And, uh, And China's saying, oh, not so quick. You can't leave now that you're here. We own these assets. So they're getting another harsh reminder of uh, exactly who they got into bed with, so to speak, business-wise. Here's a clip from the Epoch Times, American thought leaders. This is uh, Heyman Capital's Kyle Bass. The the Chinese Communist Party decided that anyone that's, that's to move their supply chains out of China needs a permit to leave. I don't know if you've heard that in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, for the last three years, really since the fourth quarter of 2016, when the Chinese completely closed off any kind of uh, uh, external foreign direct investment by, uh, let's just say, rank and file Chinese and even the government. Uh, if you remember when they closed the door, when they were having a serious currency devaluation problem, um, you know, companies that do business in China, whether you're Intel or Sony or BMW or Chevron, those companies haven't been able to get their dollars out of China, their dollar profits, since the fourth quarter of 2016. I know several of them have hired friends of mine that are former uh, bureaucrats in the in U.S. administrations that have relationships with Wang Shishan, with Xi, and with his party, trying to get the money out. They haven't been able to get the money out for four years, Jan. And now we're being told that maybe you can't get your supply chains out. So Abe of Japan, as you probably saw, set forth a program of two and a quarter billion dollars to pay the actual moving costs uh, of the Japanese companies that want to move their supply chains back to Japan from China. And you probably heard even Larry Kudlow said, we think that's a great idea and we should do that. I am all for uh, setting, setting aside and legislating a pool of capital to help our institutions leave China. Can you imagine that now? There is a move afoot led by Larry Kudlow, as uh, as Kyle just pointed out, to pay these U.S. companies to uh, to move back home out of China. The same companies that turn their back on America's workers, that in their zeal for cheap labor, uh, got in bed with a communist dictatorship. And, and you got to say that it was at the uh, that the actual by the actual encouragement of our government. You know, both economically and um, and uh, diplomatically, they wanted them to do business with China. Uh, com- you know, communist uh, dictatorship be damned. And so they fors- forsook their own country. They betrayed their own workers. They took their production overseas. They were able to ship the products right back into this country and sell uh, sell them with a very little in the way of tariffs or penalties. And now they want the same taxpayers who they bailed out on to to now pay them to come back. Oh, please come back. 
No, hell no. Uh, that what should happen is they should put such such stiff tariffs on anything coming out of China that it it is not cost effective to do business there any longer. And if they can't get their assets out of China, well, that's what you get. That's that's the deal you made. And most certainly other companies that have been loyal to this country and to American workers could move in and fill that void that they created by, uh, by leaving and getting in bed with communist China. This world health organization backlash has been quite interesting to watch. You got uh, Hillary Clinton out there and Nancy Pelosi and, and all of the Democrat establishment along with Bill Gates, just, uh, flaying Donald Trump for putting a hold on funding to this World Health Organization that aided and abetted China in unleashing this virus on the world. And I just want to remind you, the listeners, uh, exactly some of the statements that this, uh, this guy Tedros, the Ethiopian Marxist who heads the World Organization, was saying while the while China was unleashing this virus on the world. I'm declaring a public health emergency of international concern over the global outbreak of novel coronavirus. Well, that, that's what he said when it finally became clear that um, what China had done. The main reason for this declaration is not because of what is happening in China, but because of what is happening in other countries. He's still covering up for China, saying that, you know, um, it's not what's happening there. It's what's happening, you know, because he's kept saying China's doing a great job. It's what's happening in other countries. This concern is the potential for the virus to spread to countries with weaker health systems and which are ill-prepared to deal with it. Over the past few weeks, we have witnessed the emergence of a previously unknown pathogen which has escalated into an unprecedented outbreak and which has been met by an unprecedented response. As I have said repeatedly since my return from Beijing, the Chinese government is to be congratulated for the extraordinary measures it has taken to contain the outbreak. Well, they may have taken internal me- uh, measures to contain the outbreak, but they certainly didn't do take any measures to contain the outbreak from infecting the rest of the world. That doesn't seem to, to concern Dr. Tedros as he goes on to praise China. Despite the severe social and economic impact those measures are having on the Chinese people, we would have seen many more cases outside China by now. And probably does if it were not for the government's efforts and the progress they have made to protect their own people and the people of the world. In many ways, China is actually setting a new standard for outbreak. 
Well, yeah, I guess they are setting a new standard. Lock people in in your own country, but continue to allow people from the region to travel throughout the world, thereby ensuring that you don't suffer the consequences of this virus by yourself. I'd like to summarize those recommendations in seven key areas. First, there is no reason for measures that unnecessarily interfere with international travel and trade. So, I don't know if you understood what he said. There's no reason to institute measures that interfere with international travel and trade. So right there, he is basically uh, advocating his responsibility to stop the the spread of this virus internationally. If China can't contain it in its own uh, province of origin, then certainly if you allow people to leave that province and travel internationally, they're going to spread the virus. So either he's a, totally incompetent as a public health professional, or he is in fact aiding and abetting China's making sure that they weren't the only ones to suffer from the virus that they created either accidentally or intentionally. So WHO doesn't recommend limiting transfer or trade and, and movement. Transfer, he said, started to say transfer of the virus. We call on all countries to implement decisions that are evidence-based and consistent. WHO stands ready to provide advice to any country that's considering which measures to take. Second, we must support countries with weaker health systems. Third, access... And none of that would have been necessary if if uh, Tedros hadn't advised all of these countries that were in his thrall, like Europe, not to institute travel bans. Europe didn't institute travel bans until it was too late. And uh, that was done because they believe Tedros is an honest actor. So he's taken a lot of heat, but uh, he had a a briefing where one of the reporters asked him, do you regret any of the things that you said in support of China's dishonest position. Looking back at the effusive praise that's been given for China, has the Chinese government approached the WHO to ask it to stand up and say that China is doing a good job here? Was there pressure put on this organization to say those sorts of things? China doesn't need to ask to be praised. It was not. It is not. That's the truth, the whole truth. I don't know why you say it only WHO or a few agencies, but almost all member states were praising China for what it did. China took action massively at the epicenter, at the source of the outbreak. It's a shutdown of the Wuhan city and and that helped in preventing cases from being exported to other provinces in China and the rest of the world. We should- totally untrue. It's, a, it's just a lie. Literally hundreds of thousands of people who had returned to the Wuhan province in China for the Chinese New Year were allowed to leave Wuhan carrying the virus and, uh, and carried it to all corners of the world. He, he can't dare say that because China owns him. Either that or he is 
in fact, assisting. So now the president has frozen uh, support. The United States, I think, has contributed $800 million to the World Health Organization in the last couple of years compared to China uh, that has contributed about one-tenth of that. And the question here is, uh, what do we do? Well, uh, I agree we need an international organization to, you know, to be a watchdog and keep an eye on pandemics. But obviously, Tedros says is not the man for the job. At the very least, he has discredited himself as being effective. And so the first thing you need to do is condition that aid on the, on the fact that Tedros has to go. And the United States needs to have some input and a, uh, a real public health professional that will act without regard to politics to, uh, to take over that. And the United States needs to have a, a watchdog Somebody there independent that doesn't answer to anybody inside the WHO that answers to our um, health and human services department or our state department to keep an eye on what's going on over there. Because a lot of what a lot of times what happens is these, you know, you send these diplomats or these bureaucrats over there and they uh, they go native. They decide that, uh, you know, they're aligning with the with the, uh, the international organization that flies them around in first class and puts them up in these fancy hotels. Oh, man, it's a Friday, so I guess we ought to look at uh, on the lighter side. And uh, the lighter side this week was brought by Dennis Miller, who after a three-year absence uh, returned uh, to the uh, airways at Fox News, appearing on Sean Hannity's show, had some funny things to say. It's been three years since three years since I've been on Fox, and uh, things have changed over there. I noticed uh, Donna Brazil sent over tonight's questions for me this afternoon, so they must have had some sort of shakeup over there. Um, what I do today? I've been lying around all day, wasting away in Mitigationville. I've got a couple steaks over here, marinated in some hydroxychloroquine. Going to knock back a couple azithromycin. Uh, Jello shooters later, and then I'm going to binge watch Aqualung Biden's blooper reel from this week. Uh, I can't believe that people were endorsing this guy. Uh, you know, I, I know he lost his fastball, but I've been watching him lately. I think he's lost his curve. I think he lost his slider, and I think he's wearing his cup as an N95 mask at this oh, point. The guy. Oh. He might still have a knuckleball. I guess. I guess you could consider these crazy statements a knuckleball. But uh, Dennis Miller went on. Listen, his plan for dealing with the COVID-19 is he asked it to step outside. But whoever's working the Geppetto strings over there in Bidenville, Sean, I seriously think they made a, a consequential problem in his campaign. You know, when Biden, he had to do that thing where he said, uh, if Trump wants advice on the virus, I'll talk to him. He should have just shut up. He should have stayed out of the way. I think Biden, if he gets into a debate with Trump, it's over. He can't do it's that. Over. He had a way to not do that, playing that game where he'd say, I 
I'd never step on a debate stage with Donald Trump. I would not normalize. I would not legitimize him. Now that they've had that interchange brought about by Biden, say, I'd like to talk to him. I don't think he can dodge the first debate. I think he has to do it or he looks like he's a little afraid of him. And I'm telling you, if he steps out on the debate stage with Donald Trump on live television, they might as well send him out carrying an Acme firecracker crate because it is over. I don't care who is endorsing him at this point. Well, I don't know. I, you know, the, the only the only way Donald Trump could lose that debate with Joe Biden is by being too mean to Joe Biden and eliciting sympathy for him. Because at this point, there is little question that, uh, that Joe Biden is just, uh, uh, what do you say about him that uh, uh, doesn't come off as mean-spirited? Well, I guess we just have to go back, back to the Biden gaffes, go back to the vault for the Biden gaffes. This one was actually uh, just the other day. His wife, Jill, is sitting next to him in the basement in Maryland there uh, looking uh, like his nurse, um, you know, sort of got a, a concerned look on her face like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. But here's a, uh, a deep thought from Joe Biden on how to cr- uh, address the COVID-19. That was a guy yesterday on on a telephone. And he's telling me, he said, I don't know. He said, look, I, 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 I worked at the hospital. And he said, then I, I got I got myself in a position where I got the virus. So they quarantined me and and they put me in the hospital and I made it out. And so I'm out. But they don't want me with my family. I'm on the third floor. I spent 15 minutes on the phone with them saying, he said, I have a three year old and a four year old. And they come to the door outside and they just knock on the door and say, Daddy, Daddy, can I see you, Daddy? Can I see you, Daddy? So we spent time going through. I used to do with my kids when they were little and I couldn't see them and we'd play games. I said, knock, make up a game, knock, knock on the door and say, this is, you know, practical things. The guy's scared to death and he's, yeah. he's worried about his children. He's worried about his wife. I mean, these are practical things. And the president talks about this like, OK, it's going to be OK. We're going to open tomorrow. We're going to do this. I mean, it's just I must tell you. It drives me crazy. <laughs> ah, I think it already drove you crazy, Joe. Um, you know, he's sitting there next to Jill, and she's got, she's got a look on her face that uh, just says it all. For first, first of all, you need to say that Biden has had so much work done on his face. You know, he's got his hair plugs. He's had his, uh, his eyeless. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that he's had a facelift. But he's obviously had a lot more work done. And poor Jill Biden, uh, who's who's there with this concerned look that, uh, you know, you can just read in her eyes that she knows this is a disaster. It's very similar to the look that uh, that uh, Anderson Cooper and uh, and Dr. Sanjay Gupta had on CNN when they had him on. And he said. He said this kinds of things that that have to be done um you know there's a uh, during world war two uh you know where roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that uh you know was totally different than a than the, the it's called he called it the you know the world war two he had the world the, the war production board oh, kinds of things my god so when 
when Joe Biden eventually steps out onto a stage with, with Donald Trump, the only question is going to be how, how, how mean does Donald Trump want to be to old Joe Biden? Because I mean, if he's too mean, Joe Biden is obviously in his dotage. Now he's, he's going to come off as cruel. Originally he was being pretty critical of Joe Biden and he sort of dialed that back. Now he's calling him sleepy Joe, which he most, uh, he most certainly is. Did you see this story out of New York? A man in Brooklyn named Khalid Ahmad told the cops that he killed his own father and he was eating him during this quarantine. The cops found the father and his body had been badly mutilated and his arms had been cut off. One of the policemen said, it's the worst crime scene I've ever seen. He was missing body parts and we don't know where they are. I've got a pretty good idea where they are. They, uh, they actually arrested this guy in a bagel shop in Decker Heights at around 4.20 a.m. I guess he was going out to, <laughs> to get something to, uh, to go along with uh, his, his dad on the menu there. There's another strange story out of Scranton, PA. The boyhood home of Joe Biden, we're always reminded. According to police there, a 40-year-old uh, man named Michael Jones who worked at the Scranton Funeral Home and Cremation Services, was taking a nap on a stretcher after working 16 hours straight due to the, the influx of bodies. And while he was sleeping, another employee mistook him for the corpse of a 52-year-old man who had died of respiratory issues and moved Mr. Jones to the crematory. He must be a hard sleeper, but before anybody could notice... He had already been put into the crematory at temperatures ranging between 14 and 1800 degrees and reduced to ashes. Jenna Anderson, one of Mr. Jones's co-workers, said she heard him scream for about 15 seconds before the crematory was activated. You know, you almost want to believe that uh, that, that's a National Enquirer kind of story. But uh, apparently it is true. So Joe Biden's going to, over the weekend, be considering his picks for vice president. And there's a lot of pressure from all of these former hashtag Me Too activists. Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams. And we're going to have to see who, in fact, he picks. And we're going to report on that, hopefully, on Sunday's Sunday show. Monday's show, Joe Biden. And I look forward to talking to you then right here on right now on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. 
Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.